Welcome to the trap, welcome, welcome to the trap. Welcome to the trap, welcome, welcome to the trap. Let's go. Zen, trap, zen, trap, zen, trap, zen, trap. Protect your peace, protect your energy. Welcome back for another ZTP, Zen Trap Perspective. The mission at the Zen Trap Podcast is to inspire and empower people to continuously seek internal peace, to maximize their personal potential. I'm one of your two hosts, MP. Yogi LG. Today, we got a great special episode to round out the month of awareness for October. Yogi LG, why don't you tell them what book we're reviewing today? All right, so we got a really special book. The title of the book is The Art of Self-Awareness, How to Dig Deep, Introspect, Discover Your Blind Spots, and Truly Know Thyself. It is by Patrick King. Absolutely great read. Absolutely great read. All right, P, go ahead and jump into it. How would you uh, give a general explanation, I guess, of this book? Like, how would you explain it to someone? Ooh, this book lets you know how to develop your skill around self-awareness because self-awareness is a skill. Mm -hmm. If you talk about it like it's some birthright or some trait or something that some people have and some people don't, then you just count yourself out and not being open to the potential that you could learn this skill. So this is a book just telling you how to train that self-awareness muscle. What about you? Uh, I agree. I think it's uh, it's a deep dive into all things around self-awareness, how to become self-aware, how to uh, recognize the stages in which you're at, um, how to progress that self-awareness. So I, everything you say, I piggyback off of that. So what's something new that you learned from this book? Oh, my gosh. I learned so many things. Uh, let me let me give you my first thing that I learned. Um, one, we've had the conversation about is self-awareness something that you're born with or can it be developed, which we both agree that it can be developed. I feel like this kind of gave me a scientific kind of background on like, yes, this can be developed. These are the things you have to do. Um, But if I was to say something that I learned, uh, it was probably when they talk about there's two types of self-awareness, internal and external self-awareness. And so what those kind of mean is like, Internal is how well you see yourself, and external is how well you see how others view you, which I thought was just like, it put it into that perspective where, oh, you got both sides. So I thought that was a new concept that I haven't thought about. Like, there's two different types of that self-awareness. Am I being aware of how others perceive me, or am I just being aware of how I perceive me, or how I feel, or what I do? Um, So I thought that was a good one. What about you? What was a, a learning point for you? What was something unique that stood out? Um, I don't think it was nothing unique per se, but it definitely drilled home the belief of people's childhood traumas and core beliefs and values, how important that is to the decisions people make and the things that they do. So this book, just like you said, from a data and logical standpoint, talked about how you can trace some of your judgments and objective uh, thoughts and how people should or shouldn't be doing things to just the values and core beliefs that you were either raised in or that you just adopted throughout life and placing those on other people, whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously. Yeah. So it just drilled that kind of home for me. I think I, I thought about it, I always considered it, but I didn't understand how important of a factor it was. So after 
reading this book and watching couples therapy. Like both of those two things really drilled it home that people really hang on to their past and whether you're aware of it or not, it still can affect you. All right. Just just real quick, how did you feel like if you were to overall get a book a number, what would be your number? One to ten? I think you really like this book. I'm just uh, asking. No, I, I know. I know. Um, I do really like the book. I have no problem saying that. Seven and a half. Mm. What about you? I'm giving it like 8.5, maybe 8.7. It's solid. What book have you given a 10? I'm just trying to... Uh, think Like a Monk was a 10. I mean. Think Like a Monk was a 10. Okay, cool. All right, cool. I'm just trying to get a little baseline yeah, for how you rank stuff. Uh, what's the other one we watched? Uh, I mean, what's the other one? I see it as a movie, but it was a book. Uh, Omen. Reaching out. Follow Your Omen. Uh, I know what you're talking about. That's my... Omen. That's Come on. Follow Your Omen. Come on, right, the cool. shepherd. <laughs> I know the story. I was a shepherd in the past. I like, got all the story. tell me more about the story, and you'll probably get it. The alchemist. Boom. All right. Um, what's your favorite bar? What was one of the oh. bars in the book? Book is full of bars. And honestly, I don't really even know you consider them bars, but just like definitions or ways to describe things that were like so enlightening for me, at least for sure. Favorite bar was one that we've already used. Let's do it. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your path and you'll call it fate. And that's called Young. 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 Facts. We've already, I, we posted that on our page. We stole that quote from yep. something else. Uh, that's just a deep, deep quote. Like, you can walk around here thinking, I just am the way I am. There's nothing I can do about it. It's fate that all these things happen to me. You're being lazy. You are not trying to understand yourself better. Not lazy. You, Woo, he calling it a spade a spade, ain't he? You're being lazy. You're not. You're trying to blame everybody else for your problems. You're not looking inward to yourself to figure out. Not saying that, and again, I think a lot of people say this too, but I don't know if they say it loud enough. And it does feel a little offensive to, to black people. It would almost be like, stop complaining. You keep hearing that a lot. I'm definitely not saying that you have every right for the reasons that you feel like blaming people most of the time. You probably have a a great reason. And now what? Now what? Now what? You got a reason. So you now still what? gonna struggle? So you just not gonna? And so and that and that bar came in an area. Just not where gonna they improve. Were, they were talking about shadow work, and so that's probably one of my bars um, in general. That they were talking about like shadow work seems scary. But it's literally growing your awareness. I um, mean, he gives you steps about like how to do shadow work, which I thought was really good because another bar, I guess, is introspection is reality. In reality, can be done wrong in so many ways. Like people say, I'm, I'm gonna just spend time getting to know me and doing introspection. But there's so many ways that you could like do that wrong. Uh, so he gave these steps about that shadow work and it's like becoming aware of your triggers uh, Look more closely at like the first time you ever felt that feeling uh, Then dig into that feeling name it claim it without judgment or shame um, And then put your shadow or this this piece of you that is unaware that these things have happened Put that in the passenger seat and let it take the ride through life with you. I thought that was just. Oh yeah, this your shit. This, this your is shit. It's good. <laughs> this book, your shit. It was good for sure. For sure. Yeah, just and again, going back to that point, 
why that's important is because the same trauma triggers and subconscious of uh, personality traits and events that cause you to be able to survive in one environment and culture can cause you to collapse and fail in another. Or the same ones that cause you to collapse and fail in one environment can cause you to thrive and succeed in another. So you really need to examine and evaluate those things that best serve the direction you want your life to go, not where your parents or your place where you're from or your community where you want your life to go. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have like a favorite section or area? Of course. My favorite section... I'm going to have to, hmm, what's yours first? I'm going to go with the value section. What uh, what chapter was that? Uh, I don't remember the chapter. Value section, it looks like it is chapter three. Okay, chapter three. Um, ultimately, them talking about values and like your values help you understand who you are as your identity. And when you talk about like setting goals and getting shit done, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your values, you really can't set goals. Because you'll hit those goals and look back and be like, dang, that didn't really make me feel good. Like, why did I even go after Gold that? medal syndrome. Because it's not identifying with your values and who you are. So, also gave a great step-by-step on how to identify your values. Clear your mind. Let go of biases. Start a list of things that you think you, you value. And your values, this is a bar... You already have your values. They aren't cho- chosen. They're clarified. I thought that was a bar. Um, put all that list together. Uh, uh, your main values. Rank your values. Let your values come alive. So basically, like, let it be like a, a mantra or a picture or something that defines your values. I think they use the example, like, if health and fitness is your value, then maybe it's like a ballerina that really describes that health and fitness value for you. Because, like, using your body for motion in a creative way may be how you view health and fitness aligned with, like, creative, artsy stuff. Like, so he was just talking about, like, basically putting different images or words or mantras to your values. Yeah. And then seeing how they fit in your real life is probably the last step. If you feel good about it, if they, they make sense to you. If you let the list sit for a minute, come back to it, yeah, this feels right. So, I thought that was good, too. I agree with everything you said. Chapter three for about the values was big for me. I think I like that for what I would recommend for other people. Okay. That and probably chapter four. Um, but my favorite was chapter two, most likely. Or it could be chapter five. I don't know. We'll probably talk about both. So chapter two, this is what I've been saying the whole time about a course that people could have. Literally emotional intelligence course. Yeah. That that's I'm still a big I'm advocating for that. Everybody learning, and I'm I'm saying this from a place of I'm 33. I still don't know different words for emotions and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I'm just now learning, so I would have loved to have known this. I don't care if it's kindergarten. If you start with the first level of like the emotional wheel or something, wheel, yeah, yeah. you know, you just start with some basics and you keep building on it. Maybe yeah. like from elementary school, you only get this package. Middle school, you get this package. High school, you get this package. Whatever. You can think about the logistics of it. But I just think emotional intelligence is super important. And this book really helps play with that so that you can put verbiage to those feelings. And it's not saying that you might can do it by yourself sometimes. Sometimes you can work it out with friends like, hey, I'm feeling at least in this category. And I think the book did a good job of that, of saying, 
hey, I'm feeling angry. So now, now I'm limited to, oh, okay, I'm in these groups of words. Yeah. Now I'm not that angry, but I'm definitely angrier than that. I'm feeling step this word right here. This versus a step up from yeah, this. Yeah, and it's just in a flow. So you can help relate not only just the describers of what your thoughts are, but using your body. I felt this in my body. Oh, if you felt that in your body, then you're probably in this area. Yeah. Just a really good book that, again, reiterates the importance of that verbiage. Because, again, my past, I definitely was not Absolutely. with the verbiage. I'm like, you could just solve it with happy, sad, angry. Like, why we got to keep going through <laughs> These different languages and levels. Are you angry? Are you sad? Like, just yeah. pick one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, how did you foresee this book changing you? Like, what is? Oh, this is this this is good. This is life changing. It one it motivated me to kind of get to that next level of self awareness. He also gives a kind of levels of self awareness that you go through kind of as you age. So there's like two levels that are like adolescence and below and then as you come into adulthood there's about three levels and so just talking about like it, i love that he said like at the level that you're at you're probably a level below that and just like you probably think you're here but you're probably here so i just thought that was good um but as far as like changing me there was a lot of or did it target something you struggle with something like that both of those like okay uh yeah absolutely um i will say this i'm a big fan of the verbiage of having those emotions and when you're talking about that emotional will, I got to throw this bar in here. By naming emotions or labeling it, we give it a handle so that we can pick up and examine it and separate it from ourselves. That was really good for me and I feel like that kind of changes how I look at emotions, recognizing that like I am not the emotion. This is I'm having this emotion. So I can pick this emotion up and say like, oh, okay, this emotion exemplifies these type of characteristics. It makes me feel these type of ways. I'm not this emotion. It is separate from me. So I think that's always like one of those things that I kind of forget, and you let your emotions kind of consume you. Internalize it. And you, exactly. And so me just like, get that word, just the verbiage of saying, giving emotions a handle that I can like pick up and look at and it's separated from myself was so life changing for me. Like, All right. Damn, you're right. That ain't <coughs> that ain't even a part of it. You like suitcase. Yeah, exactly. Suitcase of emotions. For sure. What about you? Uh what what do you feel like <coughs> it targeted something did it target anything you struggle with or do you see it changing you in some way? Yeah, for sure. Where it got me is definitely applying Using my core beliefs to help me prioritize what's important in my life. Using what I value and who I say I am as a person and who I want to be as a person to determine what I want to do with my day or my week or my goals or just applying it to everything or how I'm about to react in a certain situation. That definitely stuck with me. And it was more specific for me. Uh, let's see. The things that frustrate you most about others could is is a why core belief is going to be the root of the trigger that could uh, cause you to project. So I'm going to say it again because I wrote it in just like, so the thing that I'm using it for me right now, the thing that I can get frustrated most in somebody else, if I take a second and look at it, it's probably some either resentment, envy, or whatever the words are. Again, I need to go do my own research to learn those words on something that I'm projecting on them that I really want. Yeah. Now that could be the case. A lot of times, sometimes it's not, but just taking the time to really be like, okay, why is this strong emotion yeah. that they are doing something? Why does that 
trigger you? Is it really because they either like a Debbie Downer or they not doing something or blah, 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 blah? Or is it because you wish you could be doing more? You yeah. or So taking the light in the mirror, turning it back on me and really understanding what is it in me that's causing me to project on them? Or why do I care so much on what they're doing? I would say another really good section for me was the section about covert and what overt and covert is that the mm-hmm. communication yeah uh, we, we gonna get into that yeah. don't worry i was waiting for that but before we go there yeah. what's something you would share with your loved ones from this book uh okay uh i had some stuff on that ultimately like the identity i realized that like values it says values basically uh help you form your identity right identity informs your choices we do as we do, and we do according to what we value. So you, you said it a little bit that you would share that with your loved ones. I would, too. Like, recognize that your values and your identity kind of control what you do and where you go. And so if you kind of set those up and find what your values are, find what's meaningful to you, like really you, like not – Anything that your your beliefs, like your parents taught you, like separate yourself from everything and say, like, what really means something to me? I think that's super powerful for my loved ones specifically, um, even my friends um, that I really care about is because we typically try to just we get in this groove and we go along with whatever, whatever everybody else is doing or what we've known from our past. But really, like identifying what things matter to you is is a good start of being like more self-aware that's a, it's great, a start. great start great if, start if you going with the flow and you come this coming from somebody to master at going with the flow I, I can, <laughs> if you going with the flow and you get to where you got a decision to make on let's say something basic as am i going out with my friends or am i going to do something that's going to improve whatever skill i deem important my whole thing i've always said is whatever decision you make if you have a fomo then that's probably a good trigger or indicator that you are not in alignment with what your values or core beliefs are at the moment. If you have FOMO on both sides, like if you go out and then you be like, oh, man, I'm not having fun. I should have stayed home. If you stay home, like, oh, man, I'm not having fun. I should have went out. You need to pick a side. (laughs) You need to pick a side. You need to pick a side on not the side of which one you would enjoy better, but which one aligns with your values. That's that list that you broke down to say, hey, right now I am in the season of improving my skills, so I can't, I'm not going to be going out. So now it's an easy decision. When they ask, no, or when I do have the free time, yeah, I can do it and I can balance it out. So I think what I've talked about and a lot of other stuff, for me and some of my friends, what I feel like we struggle with is feeling like when you make that decision, it's so permanent as well. Like, this is how it's always going to be versus this is just how it is right now. This decision can change at any moment. You made the list. You can pick the to. To do it or not do it at any given time. But if you just keep it in a state of constant reevaluation, then you're not setting yourself for a baseline to really understand what I do like and don't like. You're just going to keep going to that same spot of like, I don't really know if I like it. You're not giving it a chance. You're not giving nothing a chance to really evaluate it. Like, yes, I really like this. No, I don't really like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what's something that you found in the book? Well, I I ain't share my thing for loved ones yet. Oh, okay. No, you're good. So the one I would say, and that's why I saved it, was chapter four, actually. So you talked about chapter three, which was the value clarification steps, which I would would say that one as well. I'm just not going to say the same one she said. 
after you got your values clarified, you made your list, cleared your mind, prioritized and all of that. Now you're going out and practicing. Chapter four was actually a TED talk that we did with Tasha Yurik all over it, mm-hmm. going from why to what. Yep. I would recommend this to my friends and loved ones so much. Stop asking yourself why all the time and getting into these anxious loops because you keep looking for an answer that's not going to matter when you find it anyway to help you get into action. Ask yourself some what questions. And this chapter really, like you said, breaks it down to say, what am I feeling? What is your locus of control meaning? What can you control and what can you not? What is out of your control and what can you control? What am I thinking? What's happening right now? You say that. Zoom out. When I'm having strong emotions, specifically, whether it's good strong emotions or bad strong emotions, zoom out. What was I doing? Who was I around? What was I feeling? Using the emotional wheel to really pinpoint that. What core belief does this relate to that it's bringing out? That's so good. What core belief was so good? What is my role in this? A lot of questions people don't ask themselves. What was my role to play in this? What assumptions am I under? What assumptions did I go in? I thought this. that What you thought may or may not be true, but if you don't really know the answer to it, you need to make sure you know that's an assumption. (laughs) My possibilities of actions after that that relate to my values, because you got to know your values first. That's what I wanted to say after. So now I can say, okay, now that I've gone through all those questions, these are the things that I can do that I'm in control of. I can go and speak to this person. I can go and do this, this, and this. And now you just pick and go. Absolutely. So, again, it's three sections of that. It's clarity questions, which is what is, possibility questions, what could be, and then you got your intentional questions about what you're going to do after that. Yep, what are your intentions? I would recommend that to every single person That's I know, love. That is definitely good. So, long story short, read the book. <laughs> Read the book. And I will say this. A lot of things we have talked about just in general all through this book. Saying yeah, like said, I said, the, the quotes from Tasha Yurk about why to what. We have an episode on that. It's a ZTP of a TED Talk from Tasha Yurk. Yep, absolutely. So that's really good. All right, so what is something you felt like you found that I can grow Come on, let's get into this overt covert shit. Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, I knew that's, that was going to be this conversation. <laughs> That's mine for you as well. If I got to just summarize it real quick, and maybe, I don't know, I was going to say you should go first, but nah. If I got to summarize it real quick, the best way I can say it is I love to use covert subtextual communication. And to break down what subtextual communication means is subtle communication, picking up cues, everything outside of direct communication, the tone of your voice, the hand signals you're using, the inflation. All things are subtextual communication, and that falls into the overall umbrella of covert communication. I do only enjoy covert communication in dating, for me personally. When I'm trying to get to know people and dating, it's for strangers for me. Inside of my friend groups, I do not want to use no damn covert communication, and it really bothers me because I don't understand if we're not around, especially if we're not out in public or around certain people where you're trying to give me something covert, that's perfect then. Like, we love that. If we are just having a regular conversation and you are speaking covert to me about how you either feel strongly about something or not strongly or just your thought process or something, I do not understand why would need to be deliberate covert? I get that the subject, I guess the only thing I can think of in the moment while I'm saying this is that the subject is just sensitive to you. 
But other than that, all other reasons of maybe you want me to just pick it up for myself or I can't think of any other reason why you would want to speak to me covertly. So that is my uh, suggestion to you or even a question of what speak to me overtly directly about how especially how you feel on the subject. And I think from the conversation we've had recently in the past. It is you not wanting to be majority or definite on any kind of decision or side because you know it could change or you just don't want to be 100% about anything. That to me is fine. I still feel like you can speak overtly without using direct, like, I fully agree with this. You just say what you agree with and what you don't. All right. Taken. Well, received. Uh, I absolutely recognize that you struggle with receiving covert communication. No, 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 no. I don't struggle with receiving covert communication. It's, that's what I'm saying. You just left off a, a big part. From your friends when we're not in public. Yeah. I don't understand the purpose in doing that. I got you. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I understand that about you. Uh, I think that what was really good in the book was just trying to, when they're explaining like what subtext is or even why people typically communicate in that way. That it is part of kind of awareness to be able to. I'm asking, why do you specifically do it? Okay, I'm sorry. You're asking me a question. The question is, why do I speak covertly to you when we are not in public? Yes. Inside of our yes. friend group. Uh, yes. I think that's just part of how I speak in general. I think that's how I communicate a lot is through covert communication. So it's sometimes a struggle for me in general to speak very overtly because I just don't practice it. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think what was really good in there was he was just trying to tell about like your how like body language and other things. When you're picking up on that, that's part of like improving your self-awareness, being able to like read that about other people. It kind of goes into that external awareness that we were talking about on how others view you or how you perceive how they view you being able to like pick up on somebody's emotions and what they're going through thinking about who that person is um and looking at that from that lens or that perspective when you're talking to that person another thing i thought was super cool was that he was just talking about like people watching like yeah. Just going out and like making other stories about, and we do that all the time. Like, I love the people watch. Just look at people and like, oh, I bet you this person doing this and this person is doing this. You're basically looking at that subtext or that uh, covert communication style that they're doing, and you're like making up a story because you don't know overtly what they're saying. I love it with strangers. I love the covert with strangers. <laughs> it, yeah, it's just so, a science experiment at that yeah, point. Yeah, so I think it. W- if I had to recommend something, it's just. Trying to use that more, even with the people that you are close to, even with within your friend groups. Within why do you feel like I don't? I'm not not receiving what you're saying. I'm asking like to be more curious. Why do you feel like if you recommend it? Why do you feel like I I don't use that? Uh, just because I feel like you don't like you prefer overt communication with your friends in intimate settings. So because you prefer that, then you, you kind of don't practice picking up on those cues in those type of settings because you're like, you should feel comfortable saying to me exactly what you feel very directly and I not have to pick up on cues and... I don't... I don't... I pick up on the cues. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily respond to them because 
I don't see what's the help in me pointing out that you're do, doing that. I don't feel like that's probably helpful in the well. No, I don't in think the conversation. To point it exactly, out. that's what yeah. I'm saying. So you don't got to point it out. Just use it based on how you respond to that person. Like I recognize that your body language is tense right now. So when I respond to you, I'm gonna respond to you knowing that you're tense, even though you're saying you're calm, because I can pick up on the other things that are happening. You are not directly saying it. But I can tell that you're feeling it. I don't. I can infer what's happening here. I don't have to like really get you to come out and say like I'm tense right now, um, and I'm trying not to be tense. Like I already recognize it. I see that, and I'm picking up on it. You don't have to say it out loud or overtly say it. Okay, I LB. I receive what you're saying. I guess it's in the delivery that I'm responding back to people. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the reason that you kind of understand what the subtext is so that in your response you can be more sensitive in your response you can be um more accurate or really like have the conversation get to a point where we i i'm showing i understand you not just because of the words you're saying but also the other cues that are going into how you're communicating with me i i it's understand all what you're saying i'm not looking to i'm not me personally, I'm not looking for passive aggressive understanding of what I'm saying. Okay. You understand and, and, what I'm saying? I recognize that subtext is the root of passive aggressive communication. We know that it doesn't have to go into passive aggressive, but it is a part of passive aggressive communication. But that's what that sounds like to me. That's what I'm saying. Well, I can I don't look think for it's all that. Because. I didn't say it's all that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in the way you described it, that's how it, it, it sounds like. I'm not looking for you to receive what I'm saying in a body language, I guess, way, and for you to have to respond how you feel based off your body type. I can see that, and I recognize that, and I'm still trying to take that in in how I'm speaking to you. But again, like you said, like I'm not going like, to point it out and say something to you yeah, about I it. So, I, don't even, so that, I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't even know how you would... Uh, I guess I would like how to you would see know you if, practice... More of the using it in the way you respond. How do you how do you know that I'm using it then versus not? Uh, I think based off past experience, I feel like you specifically request like I need you to communicate overtly what you're trying to say because your com- covert communication is not working for me. No, that's what I'm. I guess I'm asking. So I'm saying if I just don't ask you that question, you saying I'm improving on it. If I don't ask you to speak more overtly, then no, I'm not. I think it'll also go into play on how you respond to somebody. I think that as well as how you respond says to me some. And again, this is a you know on a certain occasions it says to me like, "Hey, I hear you. I know what you're saying, but you're not speaking to me directly. So I'm gonna try to get you to where you're speaking directly. That's how you respond. You respond in a way that's like you're not being direct. I want you to be direct right now." And so, and I feel like you should be comfortable to be direct. So the fact that I'm trying to like pick up on your body language is weird for me. Can you please speak directly to me? That's the that's the that's the subtext I get from your communication and responding back. If that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm asking you. Don't want me to do that, right? Is what you're saying? I I'm I'm saying or I'm recommending that you practice not doing that so much. And actually receive what that person is saying from the sub subtext, and just respond based off that subtext. Like I feel like we've had a couple conversations where you're like, "Yeah, but that would cause me to infer," and I'm like, "Yes, I want you to infer." And you're like, "Well, I don't think I need to infer when you could just speak to me directly. You could just tell me what to assume." That's I guess that's that's where I'm. And again, we going somewhere else with it, but 
why do you want me to infer is what I'm, I'm kind of picking up at in those situations when, again, yeah. it's just us two as close friends. Why are you putting me in a position where you want me to infer? I understand. I understand what you're saying. Uh, do you see? Do you, yeah. I, I don't think. I'm asking, no, but I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can just stop right here. That's what, how that, I communicate. Okay. I'm saying okay. I'm picking up the subtext that maybe you just don't want to answer this because, again, I don't know if you understand that I'm asking you why do you do it specifically, and you just saying that's just the way I communicate. If that is what I'm supposed it to leave me it feel with, cool. Comfortable. Uh, it makes me feel safe. I feel like uh, most people understand it better that way. There's multiple reasons I want to do it. it just yeah, and that's what I was. That's what I'm, I guess I'm trying to dig for, it, and I feel like you were protecting those reasons and. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Your your body language and stuff, even when I say that, will be like, no, I'm not protecting those reasons. You also aren't saying them. Yeah, I just thought those were inferred subtext. That was a joke, guys. That was a joke. <laughs> I guess I'm asking, like, what am I going to do with the other inceptions or inferences? Like, I could, like you say, I could come up with a thousand other inferences about why you don't want to do that. What am I going to do with those? Uh, I don't know. I guess to me, I'm not gonna say I don't know. If if I make a, di you can make a different inference that leads you to another conclusion besides okay, she don't want to talk to, talk about that. It could be like oh, okay. that's what I'm saying. What am I do with it? it? It controls how you respond. That dick, like once you realize, like oh, I think I understand what this person is trying to communicate, even though they're communicating it through subtext and covertly. I'm now going to respond different. Instead of saying my, like, oh, she just don't want to talk about that. My response, your response now may be, oh, okay, I recognize that this is, I don't know, let's just say it's a trauma response. Oh, this is a trauma response. She didn't get to talk when she was a child. Okay, how can I make her feel safer in having this conversation from a perspective of this doesn't make her feel safe? Not, okay, she don't want to talk about this because she would just say it if she wanted to talk about it. You have other options and other avenues to go down once you start picking up on these cues that you mm. didn't pick up on before, is my opinion. Okay. And I think ultimately that's what the book was trying to get at. And it, it definitely leads back to empathy. We, we always talk about empathy and sympathy here. Um, and I think that was a, a really good section on empathy as well. All right. Got any last words? No. Um, uh, I think every read the book. It's a it's a good read. Um, chapters are long. It's only like I don't know six seven chapters, but they kind of long. Um, but it's quick read in general. I think it definitely will help you dive into self awareness if that's the journey you're trying to go down. Uh, if you want to get deeper in it, it gives you that deeper level. Um, so I, this is definitely something I will read again and again. For sure. What about you? Last words? Uh, go out there, figure out your values, get you your priority list, start learning and putting stuff into practice on how you could be more self-aware. Don't put self-awareness on a pedestal. Knock it off the pedestal. It's a skill that we all can develop and you can develop too. Ask questions, be curious, be open-minded and flexible, and just continue to stay on that journey. It's not going to be a, a stopping point. You're not going to get to a point where you just Oh, I'm at this level and there's no other It's a it's a it's journey. A, it's a continuous journey. For sure. Um go out there and stream Zen Trappers, not rappers at zentrappers.com slash Zentrappers not rappers. Um you can find it other places as well. Just look for it. Um what else? Subscribe if get you're not subscribed. You get, get you some merch. Press the subscribe button. 
This has been another ZTP Zentrap Perspective. I'm one of your two hosts, Zen P. Yogi LG. If you can't do nothing else, make sure you protect your peace. Protect your energy. It's the Zentrap. Yo. Yep.